Get to the church blind! Get to the church blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plans. Have you ever had to prep a sermon and you just looked at your bookshelf and you didn't have enough of what you needed? Well, you don't have to do that. Go to Logos.com. Logos Bible Software has everything that you need at pretty much at your fingertips because you're literally typing stuff in and with the click of a mouse button, you can open the entire C.H. Spurgeon Library. You can look up original languages, word studies. I mean, this thing is like the Lollapalooza of church planning information. You can have a little mini concert in your sermon prep right there. All the greats kind of gathered around and picking their brains and putting them into your sermon. And you want to check out LogosBibleSoftware.com. They'll actually make you look smarter than you actually are. Hey, Church Planner, welcome back to Hardcore Church Planning. I wish I had a cool tagline like, you know, the hardcorest, hardcorest of church planning, hardcore church planners, but I don't. You know <laughs> how, what the deal is here. It's just, you know, me and another dude, sometimes another chick. Hey, I'm from a beach community. Give me a break. Um, having a conversation about all things related to church planning. Sometimes they don't seem related at the outset, straight out the gate. But, you know, if you get a little bit of time, you'll see the connection. Today, my guest is Jeremy Martin. Jeremy, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I am uh, I am a church planter in downtown Las Vegas, uh, where my wife and partner in ministry uh, and our family have, have decided to create space to discuss life and faith with people. And, uh, yeah, so we, we love... Love Las Vegas, love our city, and uh, we also are passionate about helping people, um, you know, uh, with, with church planting. Uh, I am passionate about the church, just the church in general and helping the church. And uh, yeah, so I love these conversations. Very cool, man. Well, hey, let's, uh, let's talk about kind of the theme of today's call, which uh, you you kind of threw a bug in my ear, and I really like the sound of it. You and I were having another conversation, uh-huh. and you threw out the term holacracy. Now, I get easily distracted by bright, shiny objects and big words, <laughs> and it was a big word. It was like holacracy. And I was like, dude, what's that? And you were like, man, this thing is buzzing me right now. When you unpacked it a bit, I'm like, okay, we need to talk about that. So I'm a huge leadership, um, let's put it this way, leadership can be like this really weird distraction from ministry to a certain degree, like everybody's going to this leadership conference, reading this leadership book, and Lencioni, Lencioni, and yada, yada, yada. (laughs) And for me, I'm like, hey, that's cool, that's great, you know, fine, geek out on, but when you kind of said, hey, holacracy, it connected to a lot of stuff that I'm already passionate about. So kind of break it down for us. What is holacracy? So simply put, um, holacracy is a radically new uh, way to organize power within organizations. Uh, and that's 
what it really comes down to um, is who has the power, where do they have that, and how do we organize that within our structure um, of how we do business or whatever. And, uh, you know, for, for me, uh, when I heard that, when I started to explore it, um, I thought to myself of, of all the church situations I was in, with abuse of power or consolidation of power or lack of empowerment to, to the people of the church. Um, and just thought to myself, maybe, maybe this is a radically new way to approach this. And maybe uh, there's some wisdom in it for the church. Mm. Well, it's kind of something that I love. And, and basically it's this, that we are going into a time, I think in the church and, it's funny, you know, the church has always done this. We've always been looking at leadership. We've always yes. been looking at structure. The church is, I would say, before Constantine, during Constantine, after Constantine, during the middle, during the Puritans, during the Reformation, mm-hmm. um, you know, during the Wesleyan movement into the 18th century, into, you know, the fragmentation of, you know, the Victorian age and you know, the rise of the Baptists and the this and the that. I mean, we have been talking about structure and power and hierarchy and all these things. And of course, I wrote this little book. I I would say today, people are looking back at Ephesians 4, looking at distribution of power. And right now we're coming into this age where we're shifting our economy from a consumer to a creator. I wish I were smart enough to come up with that. I heard that from Brian Sanders and it made me think we're in this age of YouTube. We're in this age of everybody kind uh-huh. of going into their own, you know, calling, finding their own ability to create, be the gatekeepers. And perhaps this holacracy idea is kind of hardwired into the kingdom of God. And we're just well, starting to talk about it and rediscover it. What do you think? Yeah. Well, so when I look at it, um, so when it was first introduced to me, one of the, one of the things, um, the way holacracy, it doesn't tell you how to run your organization. It simply gives you uh, the tools and the structure. It's kind of like a software um, to run on top of your operating system um, to, that you can add apps to and all this kind of stuff that you can, that you can really mold and you can, you can really be agile with. You can make rapid iterations, all those things. And, you know, Kerry Newhoff uh, from Canada on, has a lot of leadership things on about future church and how those are, those are necessary things for the future of church because things are – Technology is moving things faster. And, but the thing that got me was actually one of the oldest church-related things that I found wisdom in in Holacracy, and that was this. Changes are made, and, and, and structurally, so the governance of the church, is made based on feel, felt tension. And tension is not a bad word. It's a good word here. It is that space between what is and what could be in the, in the way – that uh, who's accountable for certain things, uh, the roles of the church, who's doing what work and, and, and what work needs to be done. And it's, a, it's this idea of this felt need. And the church actually did this right after Jesus. They were, so, they were so passionate about when Jesus said, love each other like I've loved you, that, that the apostles, they were teaching and they were leading, but they were also serving so much that some things were actually dropping through the cracks. And the outside world started, they started to have a bad reputation because they weren't taking care of their widows. And they called a meeting, right? And, and these apostles are here, and the, the, I don't know how the, the whole church was there or what exactly they looked at, but they called a meeting. They said this, 
we have to do what we have to do. And we need to create a new role to do this thing that needs to be done, this, this being slipped through the crack, this is the work that I can't do. And what they did was they created this role of deacon, and they empowered those people. They filled those roles with people. They empowered that role to lead the serving and the outreach arm, if you will, of the early church in that area. And then they created a very clear accountability for the, 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 the apostles said, here's what we're doing. And then here's what the deacons are doing. And a lot of times what we have done in the past is take that example and go, yeah. So then you have pastors on top and you have deacons down below and then you have the people underneath that. And there's this, this structure or sometimes the deacons even hold some power over the elder board, depending on what tradition you're in, uh, or the pastors on staff, answers to the deacons. And it all kind of got mixed up somewhere along the way. But it wasn't about a hierarchy. It was about empowering new people to do the work that needed to be done that, that God had given them mm. with the people and using maybe their giftedness, maybe their availability, um, but, but it, energizing this new role with people in the church and it not being all about one person. And they, they did it as a group, and I'm sure they had a process. And, and the same thing with Holacracy. It provides a very clear process of accountabilities and roles. Yeah. And it doesn't tell you how to do what you do. It just gives you a way to do it in a much more clear, transparent, um, power-distributed way. So I don't, I don't delegate power to our team. I've distributed it, which means this. When they come to me, they have an idea, and they ask me, what should I do here? I go, what do you think? That is your authority. <laughs> and yeah. that, is, that is a paradigm shift for many, many church leaders. And right. certainly for a church planter, a lot of times when church planters start, they're doing it all. They're the catch-all. <laughs> right. And uh, I decided I didn't, that would be very unhealthy for me. And uh, so we got some people around us and gave them significant work to do and empowered them to do it themselves and to bring that to the kingdom of God. So as a church planner, I'll, I'll tell you over the years, I mean, I've been in ministry a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, started in a mega church with the power structures and, you know, nobody sees the wizard, you know, you, you, everything's, <laughs> everything's done in a dark back room somewhere and, you know, the show must go on. And so, you know, uh-huh. people receive the announcements of everything. And that's how, that's how we've typically run things over the years and, uh, as church, right? Yep. But, but when you become a, a missionary church planner, you're working in smaller contexts, your, your, your team is more like a family and you're, you're, you're all of a sudden you're having these conversations like, why are our wives not here? Why is a bunch of dudes sitting around talking? You know, does, does right. Paul not right. include the women? The women also have qualified. Like, why are we trying to do this as dudes? You know, and uh-huh. so you start, that's the first thing that starts to change because my wife was a missionary. She's serving and I'm like, yeah. So boom. But then you start going, well, what now? Why are we like this elite that's sitting in here, not talking to anyone else, not considering anybody else gifting or calling or desires or ability? And yet we're right. trying to say that we're going to move together. And we're like, we're trying to, if, if you listen to church structure, it's like you're trying to sell people on what they need to do. And you'll hear people talk about right. vision casting, buy in, boom, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where did we get this from? Right. It, it comes from a consumer business model. Yes. Of the bottom, the bottom line is to make a bunch of money and everybody needs to get behind the company's goal to make this money. Whereas this, for me, 
I came into years ago something called gift driven ministry where I got okay. tired of the five year plan and I said, Hey, what, what is the Holy Spirit? Who's he put around me? You know, he's put these gifts on my core team. That's going to determine what direction I go. And that was a reverse engineering for me of mission. Right. And I talk about it in Church Zero Chiching. Sorry, I'm not supposed to talk about my book here. But we're not <laughs> talking about your book. So, uh, but, but the reality is, is that that was a shift and that started. It literally started something that I am still working through because it mm. keeps going deeper and deeper with every church plant. I'm, I find it's the gift. It was just the, the tip of the iceberg of seeing others empowered and equipped and raised up and deployed. And, yeah. yeah. And one of the things that, that I've learned and actually sitting in this training all week, you know, I was, I was with business people. I, I was, we, we are the lone church that has adopted this and operating in it fully. Uh, I was the lone church person, you know, sitting in a, in a room full of business people. What I, what I realized is the same dynamics are going on underneath the surface in, in every kind of organization. Um, I, I found a lot of biblical and spiritual wisdom with it. It's the way it gives space to people, the, the way it encourages you to energize people and encourages people to um, to significant work, to own the responsibility. Um, but also the, what I found is true is a fundamental distrust of people across the board, uh, in working in organizations. It's the idea of everyone seemed to trust themselves as, as we were working through tensions and how this made people feel as they worked through this training. Everyone seemed to trust themselves when it came to self-management. They didn't trust everybody else on their team in self-management. They didn't trust that they were going to consider the work as seriously as they did, or they weren't going to be as good at it as they were. And, and in church world, it's the same thing. I think pastors and people who maybe go to school to, to lead church in some significant way just feels like I'm qualified. But and so they can help me out, but they're not qualified to actually like give them authority. And then certainly we wouldn't work it into a structure where, where the, the lead pastor actually literally signs over his authority to the const this, this constitutional governance that is purpose-driven, like, and abdicate authority, like, over the whole thing. Now, you still have authority within your roles, yeah. but you're abdicating the authority over the whole thing. And, and what I realized that that does is it, this, thing, this whole process has really revealed how mistrusting people can be of other people on their team. Right. And, within the, and within the church, you would think that you would go, hey, these are people who are on the same path I'm on. They're in this community with me. I, I, I should trust them. I need to trust them. Right. If we're, if we're going to do this significant work, I can't do it all myself. I've got to trust them. And, and that was very difficult for me. I'm not going to lie. This was, it was not always a comfortable transition. Right. But, but when I realized that there's a, there's a way – Give to me, flood people in. You know, Jeremy, give me a story of, you know, kind of a way in which you have um, really let out this way. What, what's been a give – me, give us an example of, of a way on your personal team where you're like, okay, I'm making this shift. This is what it looks like. Yeah, yeah. So, so when we sat down as a team and we kind of figured out roles and things like that, there, there were a few – there's several different stories. Um, and I'll give one, one – uh, negative, or at least it would seem like a negative. So we were having one of our early meetings and the church had just launched. I want to say it was even the day we, we launched officially on Sunday. We had a, we had a governance meeting that night, um, with our team 
and we had a pastor from from out of town uh, that that their church is kind of our lone church support, you know, on a consistent basis. And uh, he was interested to sit in this meeting. And so we're having this meeting and someone brought up um, the, our values uh, that we have, our outward facing values of the church, which are, you know, give generously, commit courageously, those kinds of things. And they wanted to rework them because they're like, you know, we have these, but they don't reflect us yet. And I think we should be on the lookout for how they, what values emerge from us as our, in our gatherings and those things. Now, I knew something and I was exhausted that day. I knew this person could ask those questions in this meeting. They could talk about this. They could express their tension. But ultimately, in the governance that was currently established and that was is really one of the unmov- immovable rules, they couldn't change that outward-facing values, right, that were established with the church. But I didn't protest. I didn't. Yeah, it wasn't my turn to speak. It was all done very orderly, and I let this person speak and share this with the group and talk about this. Um, and then the next, and the next day, the, that really bothered that pastor. And so he was worried that this system allowed for anyone to just hijack the, hijack the church, right? Hijack the mission, vision, values, and uh, hijack the organization. And so we sat with our Holacracy uh, consultants at the time, and uh, we uh, he asked about that, and I let him just ask ask him about what this is, and he's just expressed that that this isn't the rules. Like that person has the opportunity to ask and to question and to get information on it and all those kinds of things and get thoughts and feelings, but that authority lied within a role very clearly. And as soon as that person, they were also in that meeting, they went, "Oh, that's that role. Oh, that accountability already belongs to that role and that role's purpose." Okay, cool. Never mind then. <laughs> uh, and, and so it was one of those things that was really hard and awkward at first, but it was actually really brilliant because this person gets, got clarity on whose role it was to do those things. And then I'll say one from even last week. I made a passing comment about a tablecloth that was wrinkled at, uh, at our gathering. I said, oh, you know what? I, uh, I used to have like a handheld steam iron thing. I didn't like ironing, so I would steam my shirts you know, when I was a single man. And I was like, that, that might actually work for this. And it was just in passing, kind of laughing, ha-ha. But the person in that role that energized that role for guest services immediately went home after the gathering, got on Amazon Prime, and they're set up on our business account to spend money. They know how much money they have to spend, and they spent it without any approval from me. Hmm. They didn't go to our accountant. They didn't go to anything. Why? Because they, they had the authority to affect their role in their work in any way they see fit and budget is a parameter, but they knew how much money they had. They knew so how much they had spent. Let me interrupt you for a second. Cause uh, just hearing this, um, this is, this is a very small thing that you're mentioning. And yet most of our church planners listening right now, they would have been the person to go online and to buy that because they yes. would have been in control of the church's budget, finances, this and that, and everything bottlenecks with the pastor buying signs. I wonder how many of you guys out there, you know, you, you wanted signs and you, it was this big task. You had to find someone who made the signs. <laughs> you had to research the giant. Then you had to go get the logo. Then you had to, and what you're kind of saying is, Hey, we give people that role. And we say, run with it. Now I, I'll be, I'll be honest, like this was something that I learned on the job as a church planner mm. because I began to see what things I was good at and what things I wasn't <laughs> good at. Right. And I would spend, I'll never forget planning in Long Beach and having a guy named Charlie 
who was my co-planner, he um, he said to me at one point, because I said, hey, I made this and I made that and I did this. And he goes, hey, that's cool. But he goes, I don't think Peyton Jones ought to be spending. He goes, how long did it take you? About four hours. Right. I don't think Peyton Jones right. ought to be spending four hours in front of in front of the computer screen having to do that. He goes, brother, we got other people in church who can do that. And and it's freeing to hear. I already knew that, but I think right. most of us, that's what we do. And so I love the fact that the, the interesting thing is I research holacracy a little bit before uh-huh. this. Is it something that it becomes intuitive and intrinsic in the necessity of church planning eventually? Whereas this is a system. It's kind of like a, it's a, it's a system of uh, almost like a structure for it that someone's mapped out and thought about and said, here's how, here, here's a new system. Operate this way. Thank me later. Yeah, I mean, it re- it really is. It's 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 a radically new way to organize power. Now, I'll be honest. Not every not every leader is in a place where they're willing to give away power to that structure and to that system. And I mean, like to like literally sign it away. One of the things they did in our discovery session with our team was I had to out loud for the purposes of the two day discovery session say out loud to the team that I am now as founder, uh, you know, pastor, founder, planter, whatever language you want to use. I am now abdicating my authority. I'm giving it to this constitution and we're going to operate as a team with that. And I don't get to come in and just run roughshod over anybody. As a matter of fact, I don't even get to facilitate meetings in my, in the organization that I founded because, because of a role that I hold right. isn't allowed to be elected as a facilitator in meetings. Well, how weird is this, man? Like I planted a church, I handed over to a team. And now I can make suggestions, but I, I'm not, <laughs> right. I have no authority in that church, you know? And, and here's the thing is I think for me, when you're saying this is resonating, this is why holacracy resonated with me to begin with is because for me, I made that shift, not to a constitution, but to Jesus. And, right. and it, as soon as you go to team leadership, you say, I am one amongst equals yep. and none of us is running this show. Christ is running it. Our job is to listen. And that's yes. one aspect. That's like the first step of it, to listen well, and to, to him. And to listen and to feel out and to notice when something feels off, right. that means something can be better. Right. And, and how many times in a church structure is that thing that feels off just hidden until someone leaves the staff? And then right. maybe it gets, you know what I mean? Or, or it gets blown up or someone that gets angry at someone. But instead, what if we just trusted these these people that we love and who are adults and who a lot of times are really good in all kinds of aspects of the community to feel what could be different in our organization to sense it and then give them a very clear-cut process on how to process their tension to reach a resolution that works for everyone and doesn't cause the, the organization harm it's actually one of the questions is this proposal going to cause us harm or move us backwards if not then let's move forward with it Let's grow together, uh, and it is it is a team thing, uh, in a sense. But it's also this individual responsibility to energize my role, and the empowerment of that. It's a different kind of leadership. Mm, yeah. It is not this top down leadership. It is this. It is this reaching out next to you leadership and putting someone in 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 a role. And and honestly, the way people have stepped up are biggest skeptics. Um, you know, we, we have a guy on our team, Earn, and he was uh, 
he actually worked for a large company that implemented this. He left the company at that time. Uh, he was very skeptical because all of his former coworkers were really negative about it. It was, a, it was a shift that was really difficult for people to wrap their mind around in a large company. And he was skeptical when we started doing this. He's probably our biggest fan. Mm. He, he's probably the biggest fan of meetings. We're, we're high-fiving when meetings are done. And, and I mean like governance meetings where we just added a role or an accountability to a role or a policy. I mean, who high fives after implementing a policy? Well, we did it together and we feel good about it. And we're excited about what it's going to do for our effectiveness, again, to the purpose of what we're doing. And our purpose is to help people follow Jesus into a new life. Jesus gave us that purpose, right? Making right. disciples, however you want to word it. And the whole organization is going after that purpose. And yeah, so Jesus sits atop of it and actually outside of it because he's not just ours, right? He's right. All, the, all the churches. And, uh, and he, he sits atop of it through the purpose. And we follow that. And we trust the Spirit of God in every person that when they feel that thing that's not right and they bring it to the table, we could process that in a meaningful, a very human, uh, elevating way, in a loving way. And that's where some of the real wisdom in this is. I don't get to just shut someone down as a pastor, as the pastor of the church, because I don't like their idea. They get to be heard, and, uh, and they get to make the changes necessary for them to do their role. I think, to I think it's healthy. Um, you know, as soon as you start kind of saying, well, maybe I hand away the responsibility laterally to those that are called to lead with me. Now I need to listen to, to, to the one leading us as a team. Mm-hmm. Then the next step becomes, you know, like all things, as soon as you go, you know, if you love the Lord, your God, you love, <laughs> you love your neighbors yourself. As soon as you begin to listen to how to be led then you start listening to those you lead. And yes. I think that, you know, that that's really, you know, it's funny because like with my first church plant in Wales, mm-hmm. I was learning um, the first part of Ephesians 4, 10, and 11, which was God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. Right. The next major shift for me in reaching the unreached talks about it a lot. Cha-ching. Um, and that was to equip the saints. And, and this is what holacracy, uh, for me, you know, my, my understanding of it so far is about equipping and giving yes. people ownership, giving people the ability to say, this isn't just my gifting. This is also my calling. And you're mm-hmm. releasing me in my calling. And that energizes me. That gives me you know, it's like if I came away and I said, hey, here's the five things I want you to do. I want you to, you know, um, you know, do these five tasks. It all has to do with this aspect of church ministry versus saying, hey, here's your role. You make it whatever it needs to be. Yes. And it's empowering. It's exciting. You're allowed to use your creativity. Every once in a while you come across a person that's too scared and timid and says, I need you to tell me exactly what Because there's fear of performance and fear right. of failure. Oh, yeah. And, all and, and again, there's ways to – and there's ways within holacracy to work around all that, that to coach that. We actually uh, – you know, there's roles within, within our organization that uh, develops the leaders, the people that own roles. Um, and we call those the – those are our partners. Those are our core partners. Uh, these are people who agree to a – to a level of ownership, you know, um, and, uh, and to ongoing work within the organization. But you coach that. You always, 
you always want you always want that. Sometimes people are more available than they are capable, but they're they're able to learn. You give them the resources, you give them the freedom, you give them the boundaries. That's another thing that the constitution of holacracy does very clearly is give you it's the rules to the game. Right. And you, when you know what you can and cannot do, you actually have a freedom within that that's yes. really beautiful. I agree. And uh, and so we, we we love that and Again, meaningful work and not always the way I would do it. Um, I, I would, I'd like to give you one more story of kind of how this works in a way that I think a lot of people who, especially in a small church, maybe a new church, um, but certainly in every church will understand this. Uh, we, we, had, we had an instance where someone who had been serving on a team uh, and we have a role in our gathering circle that is music. Um, and so someone who had been serving... Uh, serving on the team that this musician on our team uh, organizes, one of his volunteers, um, had had a problem with the way he, you know, organized like practices or something like that, you know, uh, just logistical things and uh, had, had some real problems with it, thought we could, you know, things should be better and this and that. And um, so they went to him and said, listen, this is kind of for me. I'm, I'm in this role and this is the best way for me to accomplish this role right now currently. And, she didn't like that answer, so she went to other people, and then she went to someone else, and then she went to someone else, and eventually she didn't get the answer she wanted. She came to me, and you know that that's pretty typical in a hierarchical system, right? You go around the people and you try to find out who really makes these decisions. And she came to me and she expressed her problem. And said, well, "Did you go to him and and talk to him about it?" And she said, "Yes." I said, "Well, okay. Uh, did did he say anything? Do anything wrong? Right? Was there? You want to make? I want to make sure that you weren't mistreated or anything like that." She said, "No." I just disagree. And I'm like, okay, well, well, he empowers that role. I actually don't have the authority to change anything or to ask him to do anything or to tell him to do anything different. And she goes, yeah, that's what everyone keeps telling me. Mm. But I, and I realized something huge right there is the clarity that this had brought and the freedom that had brought. We didn't have any issues on our core team with gossip or backbiting, or politicizing, or trying to work around. Everyone just went, you know what? That's his authority. So we 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 couldn't if we wanted to. So why would we even try, right? And it was this mm. it was this thing where a lot of churches, especially early on, can be brought down by people trying to work a system with the loopholes and all these workarounds and this and that. And when everyone honored the system, now they they could have still gone around it, sure, in, in ways or at least tried to. But when everyone honors the system. The person who owns that role is honored and they are respected and they are empowered even more. And you know what? That, that, that person who was dissatisfied left, uh, they, they left the church plants. And when you're a church plants and you have a key volunteer, someone who who's, feels like pretty committed and they leave that hurts hmm. and then they take, they take their kids with them, you know, whatever. Um, and then they, they might tell other people, right, who then might leave. Like, that, that hurts. You know, you, you recognize it when you're small and when you're new and it's year one. But I was so excited for our team. And we celebrated because what gets celebrated gets repeated. We celebrated the fact that we honored our role filler at that time and his hmm. authority within that. And we celebrated him holding to uh, his, uh, his ability to say, Thank you. You've been heard. I understand that. But the best way for me currently to fill this role is for us to do it this way. And I just, to me, it was like, I don't know how often that happens and happens because of the system that is in place actually prevents 
the, the gossip or at least um, enhances the, the humanity of it and the love and the considering of your neighbor. Um, it, it was a pretty big moment for us um, with Holacracy because it was she literally had gone to everyone else and I was the last one. And she said everyone had told her the exact same thing. Hmm. He owns the role. That's his authority. And even the pastor, the founder, the church planter, the guy talking said the same thing and honored that. I didn't even tell her that I would do it exactly the same way he did it. Didn't need to. Right. Though I would. Right. I didn't need to say that. All I needed to say was that's his authority. And hmm. it was a it was a real light bulb moment for our team. And it and it meant a lot to the person filling that role as well. Right. Very cool. Well, hey, man, look, um, I appreciate you sharing this with us and with our people. And it's, it's definitely something, you know, you guys can check out a book. It's called Holacracy. Who's the author of that book again? Uh, so that's Brian Robertson. I actually just talked to him just a few minutes before he jumped on this call uh, uh, here at the training and letting him know about the innovative ways we're doing that. And uh, he signed my copy of the book, actually, which was cool. <laughs> Brian right Robertson uh, and Holacracy won. Um, and, uh, you know, that we, I get calls regularly from churches who read, who, if you search church holacracy, uh, an article I wrote comes up. Um, I believe that article should be in church planner magazine coming up here soon That's as right. well. That's right. And, uh, and so if anyone wants to talk about it, uh, in depth, I, I actually have these conversations often this year, a lot of, a lot of traffic around this. Um, and I'm willing to, to help people with some ideas. I can't currently, you know, sell services, if you will. I'm working uh, towards the licensing uh, with some of this information and uh, to be able to serve the church better with this. Yeah. And to provide where, can, where can they keep up with you so that when that day comes, they can reach out to you and say, hey, man, walk me through this? Absolutely. Uh, so anything uh, with our church, the handle is at DTLV Faith uh, or at JMART316, JMART316 on the social medias, you know, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, any of that. Um, and you can also email me at Jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y, at DTLVFaith.com. I'd be happy to, to again, to just discuss this, what it looks like. And it's a, a conversation I love to have. Okay, well, sounds good, man. Hey, thank you so much for your time. You've been listening today to Hardcore Church Planning. If you've appreciated what you've heard and you want to throw us a little love, then go ahead and write us an Amazon review. Write us a, an I, Apple I, a, Amazon review on my books, of course, and uh, Apple review on the podcast. And uh, definitely get in touch with Mr. Jeremy Martin. And with that, thanks for joining us today for Hardcore. Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. Hey, I want to give a big shout out to our number one sponsor. They've been with us for years. I know them personally. Uh, the founder is Josh Henry. He is an ex-church planner. If you wonder why we have so much fun with SimplifyChurch.com's uh, ads, it's simply because we love these guys. We believe in them. I have used them. Gosh, as a church planner, I found them and have been using them for donkey's years. And if you don't know, that means a really long time. So head on over to SimplifyChurch.com. They're going to help you do all the stuff that you need to do, but nobody taught you to do in seminary. Things like bookkeeping, uh, payroll, uh, you know, uh, dealing with the IRS, making sure you're compliant, sending end of year uh, donor receipts. If you haven't done that yet, tis the season. 
you have until the end of January to get those out to your people. So make sure you head on over to SimplifyChurch.com and let them simplify your church. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by The Church Planner Podcast and The Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.